Welcome to the Marvelous Madams Podcast. I'm your host, Madam Chris, handling the show solo while my co-host Amy is on a self-care sabbatical. But I am still burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel. Today, I'm discussing episode four of Hawkeye, which for me, really missed the bullseye. I've been saving that one for a while now. Anyway, there are a lot of problems with this episode, from pacing to plotting to character development. So here are my four main takeaways after enduring it three times. First, if the writer's goal was for us to completely turn on Kate and hope she takes her bow and goes the fuck home, they succeeded with me. There's a fine line between idealistic and just plain annoying, and Kate ran a few miles past it. Second, making a show with this level of intrigue and mystery is a lot like using an Instapop. You have to release the pressure at just the right moment, and I think the writers failed to do this. We needed more of a release by this point in the series, more answers. Instead, we only got more elements, and the show is starting to feel overstuffed as a result. Third, the tone of this ep was very muddled, and the comedy that's mostly worked in the first three episodes is tedious here, because it's mostly driven by Kate, who, again, is just obnoxious. And lastly, there are some plot holes you could drive a Trust-A-Bro moving truck through. So let's get into it. I found a lot of moments in this episode to be pretty cringy, and the opening is one of them. Kate was edging toward that line of annoying last week, but still on the right side of it. Now, she's in full baby fangirl mode, obsessed with being Clint's partner and BFF. I say BFF specifically because she's acting like a 12-year-old when lives are on the line. Now let's compare this to the only MCU reference we have for this type of relationship, Peter and Tony in Spider-Man Homecoming. The dynamic there was different, since Tony was the one who had sought out Peter for help in Civil War. Plus, Peter wasn't obsessed with Tony the way Kate is with Clint. And, most importantly, Peter had actual superpowers for fuck's sake. Nonetheless, he could have crossed the line into annoying, but never did, at least not for me. And in the end, Peter sees Tony as he is, flaws and all, whereas Kate can't do that. Even after Clint admits he's Ronan, she still has him on that pedestal. That was a letdown, as I was expecting a meaningful reaction from her on that reveal. Instead, it's glossed over. I'm not sure why the writers have gone so hard in this fangirl direction with Kate, especially when there are a number of women writing and producing on this show. As I said earlier, if the goal was for us to turn on Kate, if we need to want to murder her for a little while for the purpose of her arc and the plot, then they've succeeded, and I look forward to them redeeming her because that's going to take some serious skill. But if that's not the case, and they ruined a promising young female character in 36 minutes, Steve will be able to hear me ranting from the moon. Now, let's talk about that mystery and the issues surrounding it. There is one thing I can praise in this ep. Aside from Laura Barton coming through in the clutch, I want to know more about her role in Clint's ops, but I digress. The only real praise I have is for Vera Farmiga's performance. I think she was masterful in that opening scene, towing the line between mother and whatever the hell she actually is, other than a fan of Jerry Seinfeld's puffy shirt. 
Whether she's an innocent CEO or a crime boss, can we dress her in something besides curtains, please? Anyway, Eleanor's subtle interrogation of Clint was telling, as was the phone call she made after he left. I do think she wants to protect her daughter, but her primary motivation in asking Clint to drop the case is protecting her own nefarious interests. And when it comes to her relationship with Jack, I'm not sure what to think. Ladies, whether we're straight or gay, at some point in our lives, we've all had to pretend to enjoy a man's company. And I don't get any sense of that kind of forced affection from Eleanor. But we could attribute that to Vera Farmiga's own skill. I lean toward genuine feelings because it would be quite a job to pretend to love a man whose idol is Huey Lewis. And lest we forget, the power of love is a curious thing. When it comes to Eleanor, I'm more confused by behavior we don't see. In the past few days, her daughter destroyed a building. Then Kate was with her at an event hijacked by gangsters. Then Kate's apartment burned down. And now Eleanor discovers that her daughter's been gallivanting around with an Avenger on some mission. If I was Eleanor, that would be enough for me to say, I don't care if you're 22, Missy. You're not leaving this house for the next week while you figure out how you're going to pay me back for a building. Yet later, Kate just leaves and heads over to spend the night with Clint. So I'm wondering, is this just an oversight by the writers? Or is Eleanor not all that concerned about Kate because she's the one giving the tracksuits their orders? This idea might be quashed by the tracksuits' pursuit of Kate in episode two, but not if those idiots don't know who they're taking orders from. And this could explain a major plot hole in this episode, namely why Maya and the tracksuits seem to be taking a day off to Christmas shop rather than tracking down Kate at two places that shouldn't be very hard to find. And speaking of tracking down Kate, two people cannot engage in a high-speed chase with advanced weaponry through Manhattan and make big kabooms on a bridge without any repercussions. So where is the NYPD or FBI manhunt for Clint and Kate, who weren't even wearing sunglasses and caps? Kate, in particular, is running all over the city, buying movies and Christmas decorations as if a bunch of thugs and their very determined leader aren't trying to kill her. And don't forget, the cops wanted to talk to Kate even before the big tracksuit chase after her apartment burned down. So, about the tone of the show. If you want me to take this whole situation seriously and feel the stakes and pressure, then get these LARPers the fuck out of here. It worked in episode two, but we did not need to see them again. Number one, it's just silly. Number two, it's lazy writing. You're going to tell me that a New York cop, especially a black lesbian, who would have to work at least twice as hard as her white male counterparts to be respected, would be willing to tamper with evidence for what? A costume? A chance to meet Clint Barton? If caught, she'd lose her badge and probably be prosecuted. Just no. No. Get off my TV with that shit. And now for one more big plot hole. I've addressed the fact that the tracksuits don't seem to be hunting for Kate and Clint. This is even more glaring because Clint tracks down Kazi without a problem. And FYI, I'm no longer calling him Kitch Marrington. Upon further inspection of his face, I've realized he is a mixed-breed clone 
not a purebred, so his name is now Kit Cumberbatch. By the end of this episode, two new elements came into play. First, this Rolex. Now, we did know about this earlier, but it's only now coming into play. As far as what it does or who its owner could be, I have no idea. If you guys have any ideas, I'd love to hear them. At Marvel Madams on Twitter, get typing. The other element is one we've been expecting since August, when Val contracted her to kill Clint in the post credit scene of Black Widow. That, of course, is Yelena Belova. And this adds more layers of mystery, since Val contracted Yelena long before Kate put on that Ronin suit. And now we have to wonder if the queen bitch herself will be making an appearance. Again, too many questions, not enough answers. Finding out Jack is the CEO of Sloan Limited was hardly earth-shattering news, especially when Uncle is still hanging over our heads. Since Eps 3 and 4 were pretty short, I assume these final two episodes will be longer, especially since I can't see how they're going to tie all these threads together without more time. And I hope that this episode was just a stumble and not a fall, because Hawkeye started off with such promise. Come on, Marvel. Don't let us down. All right, everybody. With episode four of Hawkeye in the bag, let's get to some shoutouts. First and foremost, everyone in Marvel fandom owes a major debt of gratitude to the incredible people over at the Save Daredevil campaign. Last year, we had one of the coordinators on our show to discuss all their efforts to get Daredevil renewed or get Charlie Cox and the rest of the cast into the MCU. We were blown away by their dedication and professionalism. They've been absolutely tireless in their efforts, and last week, it all paid off with Kevin Feige's announcement that Mr. Cox will be reprising his role in the MCU. So if you're on Twitter, take a minute today and say thanks to those amazing people at the handle at Renew Daredevil. And for new listeners, we have a whole series of episodes on Daredevil Season 1 in our archive if you want to refresh yourself before a potential Kingpin cameo on Hawkeye, as well as Matt Murdock's possible appearance in Spider-Man No Way Home, which opens in four days. Where is a time door when you need one? All right, next up. A theory was brought to my attention this week by Nicole, who thinks that not only is Kate's father indeed dead, but that Eleanor killed him. I hadn't even considered it. But now, Nicole, you've got me considering that Eleanor might just have pulled a Carol Baskin. Dino, I share your excitement for the return of Charlie Cox. I'm going to see Spidey on the 16th, and I am more nervous than when I took my SATs. Ariella, I'm always glad to talk to others who understand the glory that is the movie My Cousin Vinny. All hail Marissa Tomei. Rhiannon, thanks so much for letting me know that little Maya is actually played by Alakwa Cox's cousin, hence the resemblance. Marvel is off the hook for a possible cloning operation. All right, thank you everyone for joining me today on Chris's Corner. I'll be back next week with my impressions on Hawkeye Episode 5, which better give us some goddamn answers. Until then, if you want to share your thoughts and theories, find me on Twitter and Instagram at Marvel Madams. And check out our website, themarvelousmadams.com, where Infinity Stones are a girl's best friend. <laughs>